You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 20. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. And it's Dallas week, everybody. We have got your Eagles-Dallas preview coming up. It's Sunday night football, back at the link after a one-week break. And, man, if you're going to get a a game after a bye week on Sunday night football, what better than Dallas week here as we... uh, we, we get our uh, next, the next installment of this huge rivalry with the Cowboys. And joining me for this preview episode, as he does every week, is the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. Brandon Lee Galton. Follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Galton. BLG, how you feeling, pal? It's Dallas week, buddy! John, how could you not be excited for this game? How you are clearly, and it's and everyone should be. This is a huge yeah. game. This oh. is, is especially just coming off of that Monday night joy of a game to watch. <laughs> where, where Dallas is getting their butts kicked on the national stage. Oh, uh, that was amazing! A, an embarrassment. Uh, it, it's just great to see. And now here the Eagles are at four and four. Coming off of their bye week, coming into the second half of the season, getting that golden opportunity to not only prove that, okay, the Eagles are back, you know, we're going to set off the second half of the season right, get off to a good start here, but you also have the chance to just stomp on the Cowboys' throat. They're yeah. three and six if they lose this game on Sunday. And at that point, they're pretty much done. Uh, some Cowboys fans, I think, already want to see the team bottom out. We can talk about that a little bit later. But for now, uh, everyone should be excited. It's huge. This is probably it's the biggest Eagles-Cowboys game we've had in a while and really the biggest one we've had at the link in a couple of years because you think about it, the last two years, they've been these Week 17 meaningless games for yeah. uh, e- meaningless for the Eagles in 2017 last year and then meaningless for the Cowboys the year before that because they had everything locked up. So it's a huge game. Sunday Night Football, National Stage. Let's do it. Yeah, and you remember last year uh, when they had a Sunday night game, really the only game of the season last year that mattered. Uh, The Eagles uh, trailed 9-7 at halftime before 
scoring 30 unanswered points to win that ball game 37 to 9 and but we have had a you know I we're going to get into this rivalry here in just a few minutes but uh before we do that you mentioned that the Cowboys season is over if they don't win this game they fall to 3 and 6 they're done I, even as weak as the NFC East is and yeah there's an outside possibility an 8 and 8 team wins this division but I don't think that's going to happen that usually doesn't happen for the Eagles however Four and four coming into this game. And I've seen it in a lot of different places that the Eagles are picked to be a team that will go on a second half run. And and a lot of the reasons for that is the quarterback, which we're going to get into here in just a few minutes as well. But if they lose this game, BLG, if they fall to four and five, what does the rest is the second half over? I mean, is this must win for the Eagles, too? John, do not speak this into existence. I will, <laughs> I will not allow this to be thought out. Um, to Fair answer enough. your question, buddy, uh, when you look at the second half of the schedule here, and that's what I did during the bye week, I did that record prediction on bleedinggreennation.com, there's really room for like one divisional loss. And even that, you know, isn't still a guarantee. You win the division yeah. here. So I ha- it is a must win for this team. And just not only just because of that, but just because of like how are we really going to feel like this season, you know, they still have a chance <laughs> if they lose yeah. to the Cowboys. They, they have every reason to win this game. The Cowboys are coming off a short week where they just got their butts kicked. They're not good. I think the Eagles match up very well against this mm-hmm. Cowboys team. I, I shared the stat earlier this week from Michael Kist, who first put it out there that, you know, they're facing a quarterback who holds onto the ball longer than any quarterback they faced. Like, this is an offensive line that has some injury issues. They should be able to get after Dak Prescott. They should be able to beat this team. I don't see a good reason why they shouldn't. Again, they're at home. They're breaking out the black jerseys. Like everything seems mm-hmm. to be, they're getting players back from injury. Like everything, yeah. they've gone Tate now. Everything is pointing to like, this is it. Like this is where the Eagles step up. They kind of put some of those first half of the season issues behind them and they really step up here and they take this game and they advance to five and four and depending on what Washington does they play the Buccaneers on Sunday before the Eagles play so we'll see how that game goes obviously Washington not very looking good uh, after that loss to the Atlanta on Sunday so and then obviously losing their starting both of their starting right guards and Paul Richardson their top receiver too so uh, we'll see how they go there but I mean, if the Eagles lose this game, Cowboys are second in the NFC East all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, like, their season isn't actually dead just yet. I mean, you're not feeling – if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm sure you're still not feeling good because you feel like Jason Garrett is going to mess up things or Dak's (laughs) not going to be good enough anyway. It's not like they're going to go on this run if they beat the Eagles. But uh, the Eagles need to win this game. Absolutely. Well, if they look at last year as a template – they are going to have to figure out a different way to do it, I think, than they did last year in Dallas. Carson Wentz went 14 for 27 for 168 yards. He had two touchdowns, but the Eagles really won that game running the ball in the second half. Jay Ajayi had 91 yards on the ground. One of those was a, a huge run, that 71-yard run, where he should have scored, and he got tracked down from behind inside like the five-yard line. You just Jay, Jay's got to score that ball, and I'm sure they gave him a lot of crap for that after the game. Uh, but LeGarrette Blunt ran for 57 yards. Corey Clement had 50 yards on the ground that day. They really ran the ball really well against that Dallas defense, and Dak Prescott had a, 
just an awful game. 18 for 31, 18 completions for 145 yards, BLG. No touchdowns, three interceptions, and a lost fumble. He turned it over four times. Derek Barnett had a big night, but he won't be there. Uh, two sacks that night uh, and a forced fumble. Uh, and Timmy Jernigan had a sack that night. Really, the only guy who recorded a sack that night that will be playing on Sunday night is Brandon Graham, who recorded a sack. Uh, you had uh, Ronald Darby, Malcolm Jenkins, and Rodney McLeod each get an, inter- an interception. But this game, BLG, this is a monster game because, like you mentioned, I, I agree with you. I think this is must-win for the Eagles because even, like you said, more than just the record, if they lose, how can you feel good about this team in the second half? Even if you have Carson Wentz, who is playing the best ball of his career right now, they're still they would still be losing games even with Carson Wentz playing that amazingly. And so you can't feel good about a team that loses to a struggling Cowboys team at home out on the bye week on Sunday night football. And I will say one of the things that makes me feel good about this game, BLG, is I can't remember the last time the Philadelphia Eagles lost a big primetime game. And they obviously didn't lose one last year. And I'm going back to 2016. I'm trying to remember uh, a big Sunday night or Monday night game where the Eagles fell flat and they they, they just weren't able to do it. And I'm, I'm having trouble remembering one. So this is a game in recent seasons. This is the type of game this team steps up for and gets ready for. And just listening to the players this week, knowing how big a rivalry this is, a lot of these players have no love lost for the Cowboys whatsoever. They are going to be up for this game. There, There's no excuses. There are no excuses for losing this football game on Sunday night. I agree. And one of the key things you hit on there, John, is that, and kind of like slid by easily, Carson Wentz playing the best football of his career. Like, think yeah. about that. That's, yeah. That doesn't match up with what, you know, the team record is, obviously. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, like, you almost, it's so easy to forget that just because, you know, they're only four and four, yet Carson Wentz is posting better numbers than he did in the first six starts of last year, which is crazy. And that's just a testament to how really amazing he is. And it's even more impressive, I would argue, again, when you consider the context like we talked about last week in the grades episode, you have to consider, you know, he's missing a bunch of skill players. The offensive line isn't as good as it was last year. You, you know, the coaching arguably isn't as, or clearly isn't as good as it was last year. So for him to be doing all this in spite of that, that's huge. Mm. And then just looking at the quarterback matchup for this game. I oh, mean, yeah. Last year really revealed to us, I think, what the difference between Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott is. And I think a lot of people, I think, already had this feeling going into the year. But uh, it was just clear that when everything broke down for the Eagles in terms of they were having these injuries last year and they were facing adversity, you know, they went on the road to the Panthers and they're all, you know, all these penalties. They faced adversity at times last year. They were able to overcome it. And a large part of that was because of Carson Wentz. And you look at the Cowboys, on the other hand, last season and. They had a lot of issues, injury issues, different things going on, Ezekiel Elliott suspension, and Dak Prescott couldn't elevate that team. Right. I think that's what Dak Prescott is. I think that it, no matter what you think of him, and I think it's very clear that he's not very awesome, but even if you think he is better than he is worse, I don't know how you can argue that he's the quarterback who elevates the team. He's the quarterback, in my mind, that you can win with. I know you know Michael Kiston, Benjamin Solak like to talk about that a lot. He's a win with player. You, you you're able to win with him mm-hmm. if everything is going well around him. The protection is great, kind of like in that Nick Foles category. Like you can win with Nick Foles clearly, but is Nick Foles going to elevate your team on a weekly basis throughout the whole season? No, 
He's just not. He's not that kind of player. Neither is Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. And Carson Wentz is in the meantime. And now we haven't fully seen that this year, and ter- again, in terms of the record. But I just think in terms of ability, he can. And I think that's why this this game and this second half of the schedule is so important too, not just for this season, but for going forward to see Carson Wentz to be able to kind of step up here down the stretch. To, you know, it's been all the talk about him not being clutch or whatever coming out of that Panthers game. Right. I mean, I think it would be pretty clutch of Carson Wentz and dare I say Aaron Rodgers, like if he can kind of put <laughs> this team on his back down the stretch here and be like, you know, we're going to the playoffs, boys. And yeah. I think he can do that. And I think that is the difference. And I think that's the difference we're going to see in Sunday night's game. I expect Carson to come out on fire. I think, you know, this is a, a big moment. And I don't think he is going to shy away from that moment. I think we're going to get a big performance just like we did last year. I mean, how awesome was he in that Cowboys game last year? I think back to that. Yeah, the uh, numbers fourth... didn't The numbers didn't tell the story in that game, BLG. Right. I think like he made some crucial plays. If you think back, think back to that Alshon Jeffrey touchdown where it's fourth down and he delivers a strike in between two defenders to like a diving Alshon Jeffrey for a touchdown. I mean, that is clutch right there. Like That is a huge play. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we're going to see that difference in the quality of quarterbacks on Sunday night and very much so in the Eagles favor. We're going to dip into that just a little bit more when we get to the matchups here in a few minutes. We're also going to answer a couple of mailbag questions that we got. Uh, We'll give you our NFC East picks as well and uh, go over the injury report here in just a second. But first, you know, I wrote something for for Bleeding Green uh, Nation this week, uh, BLG. I outlined my five favorite Dallas Eagles games of of my lifetime, and I didn't include the NFC Championship game in 80 because I was four when that took place. But there have been so many great moments in this rivalry. And over the years, I think it has been the NFL's best rivalry. I do think in recent years, the rivalry has been overblown just a little bit. And really, it's for this main reason. And this is kind of my my Dallas Cowboys take here. My, and I don't know if it's a hot take, but it's 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 definitely something I've been thinking about for a number of years. And, you know, we still I still think the national media and the country as a whole puts the Dallas Cowboys and we see it every year when the team valuations come out, when Forbes releases their team valuations and the Cowboys are always way up at the top. They've been the number one valued NFC for NFL franchise for forever. I, the Dallas Cowboys are no longer special. BLG. There's nothing special about that organization. There's they haven't been special for almost for for a little less than a quarter of a century since since Troy Aikman left, since Emmett Smith left, and since Michael Irvin left. Since that big three left, the Dallas Cowboys have had a couple of nice seasons here and there, but they have been absolutely no different. And I would argue even maybe even in the bottom half of NFL teams, the the bottom two thirds certainly of NFL teams over the last twenty years. What is special about this team? They have a big stadium. That's it. They they haven't had a special quarterback since Troy Aikman. I like Tony Romo, but Tony Romo was not one of those special quarterbacks that you remember forever, like Staubach, like you had with even with Danny White at times. But you know, even with uh, with Troy Aikman, Tony Romo was never that guy. Dak Prescott is not that guy. Ezekiel Elliott's a great player, but he is not changing the face of this franchise with how he's playing. They haven't won enough. They haven't gotten to the Super Bowl in forever. They frankly, they went, how how long did they go without even a playoff win? I mean, it was what, 15 years they went a without a playoff? They, they're not special anymore. The only thing special about the Dallas Cowboys is that stupid star. 
That's the <laughs> that's the only thing. The uniforms in that star because the 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 owner isn't special. The coach isn't special. I mean, for years, one of the things that made the Cowboys special were the head coaches. Tom Landry for forever, and then Jimmy Johnson right after that. As soon as Jimmy Johnson left, and you got you got Switzer in there. It's been a it's been a never ending line of buffoons. Even when Bill Parcells was in there, you were not yeah. getting peak Parcells. So this has been a franchise that's been wandering around aimlessly for the last twenty years, and that's why I just don't think they're special anymore. They're they're just like everybody else. There is absolutely no difference between the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals anymore. Wow, I love it. Uh, and to put some more context to what you're saying here, John, uh, these numbers come from Russell Baxter on Twitter. Uh, since 1997, Cowboys are 178 and 167 in the regular season. So, in other words, they have 11 more wins wow. than losses, hovering right around that 500 mark. They have more 10-plus loss seasons than they have 10-plus win seasons. They are 2-8 and eight in their mm. 10 playoff games. They've had six different head coaches. They've had 19 different starting quarterbacks, wow. and they have had one owner in that time frame. <laughs> Jerry Jones, man. Yeah. Just Jerry Jones, like live forever, man. Like this, like, don't die. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I you know we talked about this, Michael Kiss and I, on the uh, the show we did after the you know week nine games here. But the fact that the Cowboys, you know, if the season ended today, they would be picking tenth overall. Mm. I mean, not them picking, but the Raiders would be picking tenth yeah. overall. Getting they gave their up pick, that pick. That's right. For Amari Cooper, who like they thought it was just, I guess, going to like what save the season here, and I. Again, I, I we got into this, and I get that Amari Cooper's young. I get that you know he's only twenty four. Like they, he has right. some long term potential. So right. yeah, it's not just this year. It's not like a a strict rental, but still, like you have to pay him. So so it's not like the same. Yeah, it's it's not a great use of a first round pick. Like, even if he becomes the player that they realize, it's still an overpay in a sense because you're not like it's it's or at least it was still a very valuable asset to give up and it didn't help you save your season this year. So you're still giving up a very high pick. So I just but that that all goes to and then the fact that uh, Jerry Jones would go on the radio and tell and just say and maybe okay, you know, like he's not beholden to this. He can always change his mind. Let's see what his actual actions are. But the fact that I would even just go out there and be like, oh, you know, Dak is our quarterback. He's getting extended. Like, why would you even say that? Like, right. you don't need to say that. Yeah. You can just say, like, Dak is our quarterback. We we support him. Like, you don't even have to say the extension thing. <laughs> like, he brought that up. And that's just crazy. And the radio hosts who were interviewing at the time in Dallas were shocked. They yeah. were, like, shocked. They were, they were just silent. And that was awesome. And... <laughs> That's that Dak Prescott is like the perfect quarterback for the Cowboys and Jason Garrett, obviously the perfect coach. They're just that's where you want the Cowboys to be. You don't even want them to be totally futile because at some point, you know, they might actually turn things around because they'll get a high enough pick and maybe they get like a really good uh, quarterback in the draft, you know, or maybe they eventually find a good head coach. You want them to be mediocre because that just keeps them buried where they've been and John, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Like this is not a special team, not America's team. They're just they're totally mediocre. And Jason Kelsey, when he said this week, he had it right. You know, it's just a bunch of bandwagon fans who like. There's no actual emotional connection to the team. I feel like for a lot of these fans now, I think there are genuine Cowboys fans, and you know, like guys who people who actually live in Texas and right. die with the live and die with the team. And I respect that. Yeah. You know, if you're a true Cowboys fan, I don't like you. But I respect <laughs> I respect that you're dedicated. But like you get these people who like live in South Philly 
who are from South Philly and are somehow Cowboys fans. And it's just, it's despicable. It's disgusting. It's gross. Um, It's just, you can't, there's no respect for that. That is terrible. And I think, you know, it's just, it's very funny how, uh, you know, this, to me that this once being a younger fan that this once was quote unquote America's team because in my lifetime they haven't been and for people to be like oh you know oh the Cowboys still have all these more rings than the Eagles and I feel like the, the whenever I hear that and I see these people on Twitter they always look very young in the avatar yes. and I'm like you haven't seen any of those titles man <laughs> what does that even mean to you what are you watching these on like VHS replays like <laughs> come on like I saw the Eagles win the Super Bowl in person with my own eyes I was looking at the field this year and it was one of the best moments of our collective lives and yeah. it always will be you didn't see that and guess what you're probably not going to see it for a long time yeah, no, I, that's 100% right. And that's why it was so rough, you know, with the Eagles, you know, not having won a championship since 1960. None of us, even of my age, you know, born in 76, were even anywhere close to witnessing something like that. So, yeah, you can't lord that over us anymore. And it's just, uh, you can argue the over the last 20, 25 years that, you know, TV has really even the playing field. It's the Dallas Cowboys used to be on every week. And, Sometimes that was the only team you'd get to see other than your hometown team. And so that's how they became America's team. They were beamed into every single household for forever. And now that's not the case anymore. You you see the Cowboys about as much as you see the Cardinals, about as much as you see uh, the Rams. You know, I mean, it's just and from year to year, there there is no one team that's doing it over and over and over again. Every year, it's a different year with different marquee teams. There is no, I mean, except for the Patriots, there's no one marquee team year in and year out most of the time. You have a team that's on a three, four, five year run or something like that, and then it goes away. You don't, you don't have the the super teams like the Cowboys used to have when they used to beat the Eagles all the time. I think there was one stretch in the uh, '60s and '70s where they beat the Eagles 22 out of 23 times. It's in the piece that I wrote for BleedingGreenNation.com. But um, as I was going through my favorite games, real quick before we get into the injuries. Do you have a favorite Eagles Cowboys game in your lifetime? It has to be forty-four to six. Just has see, to I've be. got that a was... di- I've got a different one than that, but I, I obviously I forty-four to six is great. But it's just it was I it's so when you think back about it though, like it was so crazy that the Eagles even had a chance to be in that game. Like right. they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have been. Like they needed so many things to break their way that day. And it, unlikely things too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, like things you you would like if you were looking at that, you'd just be like, like this isn't going to happen. And they just, you know, and how many times like did we see you know Andy Reid teams come up small in big moments or right, like fail? Right. And it's just like so you were you had this expectation that something could go wrong, but I just I, that was not that. That was totally different. I remember too, uh, just looking at Brian Dawkins on the sideline before that game and just the Eagles getting the news that you know th- it was like winning in. I think yeah, it was Tampa sense. law, Tampa won yeah. and Oakland won. And yeah, Jeff Garcia helping, yeah. helping the Eagles that's out. Right. Um, yeah. So that was great too. But um, yeah. And then they just, they just totally wobbed that team. That was, mm. that was awesome. Everyone was getting involved there. The defense was scoring Dawkins. That was really his, you know, that was his last year with the, the team, right? That was, that was like his last yeah. uh, truly, I guess, really big game. At the link, I can't remember the playoffs. Oh man! But his, at least, <laughs> at the very least, his last big regular season game, and and certainly a defining moment at the end of his career with the Eagles there. So that to me is the one that sticks out the most. Yeah, because they went to Minnesota and won, and then and went the to that, went to the Giants and won. Yeah, 
we just remember it by the score too. Like says it all. Like yeah. Forty four yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everyone knows what that is, even though yeah. like. I just think it's awesome. Well, my favorite all-time game was the fourth and one game, and that was because it had a special connection. I was in college at the time, and I was, I was either a, was a sophomore, I was like a junior in college, and I was living with a bunch of Cowboys fans, and I was the only Eagles fan. And, and this is in central Pennsylvania, so this kind of feeds into what you were talking about. I realize when you go to college, people from come from different areas, but I went to a very small college in central Pennsylvania. Most of the people who went to my school came from that general area. Eastern, southeastern Pennsylvania, maybe some western PA, but there was an, inor- an inordinate amount of Cowboys fans at that time. And this is in peak Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin time. Okay, this is this is 1995, the, the last, uh, the first Ray Rhodes year, and um, you know it was just I was I remember watching that game in a common area, and the Phil- the Eagles were down 14 nothing at one point, and then they they come back, and you know Switzer. It, it, this peak Barry Switzer. I mean, it was just beautiful. And everybody knows. I don't have to recount the whole thing. But I just remember going absolutely crazy when they stopped Emmett Smith the first time. And then being on the floor when I realized it had been that the play had been blown dead for the two-minute warning. And just knowing that the Cowboys were going to convert. Because I knew they were going to go for it again. And I knew they were going to convert and they were going to get down the field and score. And so when they didn't, and then the Eagles ended up winning that game, that was such a sea change because it had been such a rough few years. And you just got the feeling like, hey, this this season actually might turn out to be something. And that was the year they later went on and, and beat the, the Lions 58-37 to uh, in the wild card game, a game I went to, which was just a, a huge party the whole entire time. Um, they, they end up losing to the Cowboys in the divisional round. And so at the end of the day, the Cowboys got the last laugh, but that to me is my favorite all time Cowboys Eagles game, just because it had some social aspects to it for me that made it particularly satisfying. So everybody's got one BLG. And that's the great thing about this rivalry. And maybe we'll get another one of those games here on Sunday night. So, um, let's, uh, let's start to get into this Sunday night game a little bit and let's go over the injuries here. Um, we look at this Eagles team as being one that we thought we were going to get a very important piece back this week. Darren Sproles had returned to practice BLG. And I know you, uh, I know I was, I, was, I think it was, um, Mike and Ben were talking about, uh, the possible return of Darren Sproles, but he's back in practice for what a day or two. And then we get uh. news that he re-injured his hamstring. It certainly looks like he's not going to play this week. And uh, BLG, I just got to feel like he's done. You know, the, the Eagles can't continue to wait for, for Sproles to get healthy here. They, they, I feel like they've got to move on. They've, they've got to figure out something here because this is just something that doesn't seem to me like it's going to heal here. What, what's, what, what's your take on Darren Sproles and where we are with him right now? It just sucks, man. Like it does suck. What is going on here, too? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. Like is the medical staff to blame? Like what? How can you keep him out this long? And he comes back and practices, and this immediately happens. Like maybe is it just he's he going old? Too, was it? But like, is it that? Was he going too hard in practice? Like, what's yeah, the deal yeah, here? Like, yeah. And it feels like just it's not just with him. Like the Eagles have had a, a number of soft tissue injury issues this year. Like, and they have this new medical staff. Maybe they're bad. Like I don't know. But in any case, it's it's sad. Like it's it's very frustrating. Um, this whole idea that the offense is better without Darren Sproles, as we talked about many times this season, is just so dumb to me, uh, and I hate it. Just and from a like, blocking standpoint alone, that's what it's I mean. not true. Like, you, this team needs him. Like to, to be like, oh, it's not a big deal, or you know, they got to move on, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't agree. They need to. I mean, if if he can't play like at all, obviously you put him on IR. But 
I think they need to hold out hope that he can still come back even. We don't know how serious this is yet. There's been no timetable on it. Uh, hopefully it's a minor thing. It doesn't sound like that, but we'll see. Yeah. But like they need him because their running backs aren't producing right now. You're not getting a lot of great production out of Wendell Smallwood. And by the way, you know, Bo Wolf had a great stat on this earlier this week that I had, I had tweeted out about, and he, of course, got mad at me because I didn't link to the article. It was my mistake. <laughs> I did link out afterwards, Mr. Bo Wolf. Uh, so, but the point was that Wendell Smallwood is facing the fewest eight-man boxes in the league this year at 3.3%. Now, part of that is the Eagles are opting to run him when they see light boxes. But to me, that also says like they don't necessarily trust him a lot against heavier boxes, and nor should they. Like, and, and even despite that, the fact that he is getting all these lighter boxes, his longest run this season is still three or uh, 15 yards and his average of 4.3, I think looks less impressive when you consider he's not facing heavy boxes like this. He's facing light boxes and he's still producing like fine. Yeah. So, and, and he's your lead guy. And I just, he's not very inspiring to me. He's fine. I'm not saying like he's terrible. And they need to cut him. It's just, you're, there's nothing to get excited about with Wendell Smallwood. No, he's no. fine. Yeah. He, he's a replacement level running back to me at best. And then Corey Clement, has, again, 12 yards on his last 12 carries. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry this season. Like, you're not getting anything out of him right now. It seems like he's hurt or something. Like, so I, I don't even know if you can count on him uh, to, to really bring you anything. They're not even using him in pass protection, which right. is bizarre because you yeah. figured, like, he is your best option at that. So there's clearly something going on there. We don't really have a great idea of what maybe – the hope is he can get like he, the bye week helped and he can step up in the second half of the season. That would be awesome. But right now, I can't just assume that's a sure thing. And then you have Josh Adams, who has been productive these last couple of weeks here. He's been their most efficient running back from a yards per carry standpoint. But it's kind of tough. Like, you know, they're probably not passing to him when he's out there. So and I don't necessarily know that you're trusting him the most in pass protection either. So he's kind of a limited player in that sense. He might be the best pure runner on the team right now. But I think he's kind of limited overall as a player. So like to, to have all that, and it's not a great situation to work with, I would love to have Darren Sproles back. And it's so unfortunate that, yeah, that he had to have this setback. Uh, he had this message on Instagram that he posted tonight, which I don't really know what it means, but I'll read it. He mm -hmm. said, um, injuries are part of the game, rather 35 or 25. I've been blessed to have not endured any major injuries until this later part of my career. But at 35 and injury-free, I can still rock with the best in this game. I'm doing what I can to get healthy and finish what I started. Thanks to all my fans still riding with me. Uh, prayer emoji, hashtag wear game, hashtag fly eagles fly. So it sounds to me like I guess he's still hopeful that he yeah. can come back this season. We'll see. But uh um, uh, what was the last thing I wanted to say on that? Oh, I don't man. know. I lost it's, it. it's not good. No matter. Oh, no matter. oh the, the big thing. Sorry. The big thing annoying coming out of this is that now the Eagles, we don't know what's going on in punt returner, John, because right, guess what? Right. The Eagles felt for some reason they just had to get DeAndre Carter off the roster, even though he's produced when he's had opportunities. And now look like this isn't the biggest deal in the world. I'm not saying Howie Roseman should be fired. But this is pretty dumb. Like, this is a dumb and avoidable mistake. And to me, I've been trying to think of comparisons all day. To me, it's it's not the perfect comparison. But it's like you got a cheeseburger or like a double cheeseburger from McDonald's or Burger King, wherever. And you have it in front of you. And you're, and it's fine. You know, it's not the best dinner ever. But you're going to eat it. And all of a sudden, like, you get a phone call and, and from your friend. And they're like, hey, I'm going to bring a pizza over. 
and it's just like it would be like you just taking that burger and throwing it immediately in the trash. It's like you don't need to do that. Like <laughs> you can hang on to it, you yeah. know, like maybe wait. Like you don't just need to immediately dispose of this thing you have because right. another thing might be coming on the way. And now it's a little bit different of a situation. It's not the perfect analogy because the Eagles did have to make a roster move uh, to free up space. Like you had for... to move something out of out of your refrigerator to put the hamburger in there instead. So maybe you throw out three day old spaghetti or something. Right. You don't throw out the hamburger. Exactly. See, I'm and with you well, on your like, metaphor. I got you. What was the rush to get DeAndre Carter to bring in T.Y. McGill? Like you really <laughs> needed another like replacement level defensive tackle. And I get they only had three defensive tackles on the roster. So, okay, fine. But then maybe get rid of, oh, a guy like, I don't know, Chance Warmack, who is making over $2 million this year to not even do anything on the team? Like, what is that? It's just – it's the roster management. And that's the bigger point here. It's not even just about – the specific DeAndre Carter move. It's just like they're not making like the best roster management decisions here. Like they they screwed up this DeAndre Carter thing. And they screwed up by not getting rid of Chance Wormack. And to me, they screwed up by not getting any value for Nick Foles. Like all these little things, or and some of them are even bigger, but they add up. And you're yeah. seeing a team right now with weaknesses and like and they need help at running back and they can't do anything. And it's like, well, it would have been nice if they could have, you know, used some of these things they have. They're kind of just wasting away right now and use that to help the team. So that's my big rant on DeAndre Carter and Darren Sproles and everything. Well, well, there's a couple other injuries of note, but Lane Johnson practicing uh, despite a high ankle sprain and an MCL sprain. That dude is an absolute stud. I mean, I, how tough is he? My goodness gracious. Um, we, we saw Sidney Jones and Jalen Mills both miss practice on Thursday. That's not great news. I uh, would love to see at least to get one of those guys back BLG, but it doesn't seem like, at least at the moment, they're on track to play on Sunday night. Uh, Mike Wallace, I know the team is hoping to get him back on the field here in a couple of weeks, but uh, reports are he's still in a walking boot and We've seen Timmy Jernigan back at practice, but he's not officially on the injury report because he's still on the NFI list. So I guess really right now the big concern other than Darren Sproles is getting one of those line back, one of the, getting one of those cornerbacks back on the field because even with a depleted Dallas wide receiver core, they do have Amari Cooper there now and you you know Dak Prescott doesn't really worry you, but you still would love to have either one of those two guys, Jalen Mills or Sidney Jones ready to go here on Sunday night. Yeah, you know, it's not – the injury situation not totally ideal because um, who is starting in the slot? We don't even know for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. it, in theory, the Eagles could move Avante Maddox back down there because you're getting Corey Graham back this week, but I don't really think that's what Yay, they want to do. Yeah, Corey Graham's back, BLG. Yeah, right, Damn. get excited. I don't think that's – I don't think that's likely. Um, it seems to me that they're just going to put Cravon LeBlanc in there in the oh, slot. Lord. Um, which, you know, I, I heard, you know, I had to call out Joe to camera here on the radio because okay. I, I couldn't call in, but it was driving <laughs> me crazy. I was like, Joe, you were, he, Joe was saying that like, you know, how, how are you going to expect this guy to be any better than Dexter McDougal? Cause the Eagles had determined Dexter McDougal was better than him, you know, before. But well, the, the problem there is Crevon LeBlanc was not available to the Eagles until this week because right. he had been on the Lions roster. So they obviously the the pro personnel department obviously had a higher grade overall on LeBlanc than they did Dexter McDougal, which is why they made the move. And to me, I mean, McDougal wasn't doing good, so why not throw a new oh, guy absolutely. in there? Yeah. So I mean, it's not 
like it's not ideal because he's learning the playbook and <laughs> you know it's a short week or well it's not a short week but um he's coming in on short notice and trying to learn everything so it's not ideal but uh we'll, we'll see how it goes uh and then obviously the cornerback thing will be a little bit interesting on the outside because you have Ronald Darby now playing on the um the left side of the defense so that's his natural or that's apparently the position he likes as Bo Wolf noted on the athletic.com this week uh, that's a position that he was playing when Jalen Mills went out of the game against the Jaguars. And now that means Russell Douglas will come in to play the right side. So for all you people who wanted to see Jalen Mills not on the field, uh, of course, we don't want to see him injured. But uh, now that he will be off and clearly out this week, uh, we will see Russell Douglas get a chance to once again try to show if he can prove anything here. So that'll be interesting to watch. You know, I think Russell Douglas has flaws as just as much as Jalen Mills does. And clearly the coaching staff agrees, which is why they play Jalen Mills over Russell Douglas most of the time. Mm-hmm. So we shall see here. But um, it's not the worst injury situation. You know, you're, they're getting guys back, as you mentioned. And, and there are there's hope for those long-term yeah. uh, guys like Mike Wallace. I, I had seen that. I think it was Zach Rosenblatt had mentioned that. He's expected Mike Wallace is expected to be out of the walking boot on Monday. So uh That's we great. Will, and he's eligible to return to the roster. And I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm just saying in terms of when he's actually eligible, it'll be after this week. So uh he can be activated at any point after that. And obviously Matt Collins and Richard Rogers are able to be activated now. The Eagles can only pick two of those guys, so we'll see. And then Timmy Jernigan is getting him back in practice is, is good to see. So there are like positive developments here that might not necessarily impact this week, but just looking forward down the road. So aside from the Darren Sproles thing, which again, it just sucked because you woke up today, you saw that news and it kind of put a damper on this optimism coming yeah. out of the bye. I mean, not completely, yeah. but a little bit, but uh, they're, they're in decent shape and uh can't, might not be able to say the same thing for the Cowboys. Yeah, I was just going to run down their list. Uh, they've got they've got a number of significant guys who did not practice on Thursday. Of course, uh, Sean Lee with the hamstring, he's going to be out for a few weeks, and obviously he's not practicing. Uh, but Tavon Austin, their wide receiver, has a groin problem, so he did not participate. Neither did defensive end Taco Charlton. He's got a shoulder issue. Defensive lineman David Irving with an ankle. Linebacker Joe Thomas with a foot. And offensive guard Connor Williams has a knee. All six of those players did not participate. And then you had four more guys with limited participation. You had defensive end Randy Gregory, uh, offensive guard Zach Martin, and tight end Jeff Swaim, all with knee issues. And then uh, wide receiver Deontay Thompson with a rib issue. So, again, the Cowboys, like this time of year, you've got a lot of NFL teams. Most NFL teams are dealing with some, some probably some pretty substantial injury issues. But it seems like, especially with Lee being out, that's a big bonus for the Eagles. And um, Dallas, in addition to some poor play, has a lot of guys who are battling some, nursing some injuries here, BLG. Yeah, and the Cowboys are more equipped than ever to handle the loss of Sean Lee because they drafted Leighton Vanderash, who's shown some flashes as a rookie, and they obviously have Jalen Smith, too. So it's not a total disaster for them like it used to be. But, I mean, Sean Lee is still the best player there when he's healthy out of those guys. And just what he brings you from, like, the mental standpoint of getting everyone lined up and knowing the plays and everything. So that's a loss for them, of course. Um, and, of course, obviously, Dak Prescott is not allowed to play well. Uh, and the Cowboys can't possibly succeed when Sean Lee is out, as as that is very much the meme there. So very devastating for them. Uh, and the defensive line issues are significant, as you mentioned. No cho- No taco. Charlton, uh, no David Irving, who's one of their better pass rushers when he is healthy and on the field out there. So those are some issues. Connor Williams is out, which means they're starting either Xavier Suafilo, 
who has been bad in, before in the league, and which is why uh, he's been he, he was a second round pick, so he had some talent, but it's, which is why he's been cut since. And or Adam Redmond, who is not even a real person in my mind. So they have offensive line issues. Uh, obviously, Travis Frederick is out. Uh, he's been out with, and unfortunately, so with that that, that disease he has. So yeah. starting Joe Looney yeah. at the center. Uh, I think you know Lyle Collins at right tackle is a mismatch in the Eagles' favor with Brandon Graham working up against him. So this offensive line not quite what it used to be, or at least what it used to be touted as the greatest uh, offensive line in the NFL. BLG, I mean, it's La- not La- there La- anymore, buddy. He, Lyle Collins literally said that. He, like, that's not something like we're even exaggerating as 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 like fans and like making fun of the Cowboys for not even saying that. Like he literally said, that, and it's just so ridiculous. So the Cowboys are having some injury issues as well. Uh, they're pretty banged up, and it's just tough for them, I think, to come in on this short week to, you know, you're playing an Eagles team that's coming off their bye, and the Cowboys are coming off a Monday night football game. So it's, it's a tough turnaround for them. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of the matchups here, and uh, we bury the lead a lot. We we, we saved Carson Wentz do. for last. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I kind of look at Carson Wentz kind of like, you know, talking in baseball about Mike Trout. Trout is so obviously great. There's not a lot to say sometimes. I kind of feel that way about Carson Wentz. He's not terribly interesting because he's just generally speaking so consistently great. But I did want to mention, you know, we, we talked about a few minutes ago some of his numbers, how much they've improved. He's increased his accuracy, his completion percentage for up from 60.2% last year to 70.7% completion percentage all while increasing his yards per attempt from 7.5 to 7.9, his air yards per attempt from 8.3 to 8.7, his yards per game is up from 235 and 253.5 last year to 298 this year, and his rating is up from 101.9 to 109.6. If you want a reason why this team can go on a run and why so many prognosticators are terrified of this Eagles team in the second half. It's because of those numbers. It's because of Carson Wentz. And without a really solid running game, BLG, without anybody dynamic, the Eagles are going to throw the ball a lot. And I'm like, my question to you is, are they going to are they going to run the ball more than 15 times <laughs> on Sunday night against Dallas? I'm half kidding with that question. But seriously, with the way Carson Wentz is playing and how they use the short passing game a lot, they really don't need to run the ball all that much. I mean, just think about it, too, from, like, who you're giving the ball to, right? Right. That's that's one of the things that drives me crazy. Like, let's run the ball more. Okay. Like, you're really desperate to get the ball in Wendell Smallwood's hands instead of yeah. Carson Wentz's hands, like, who's I mean, having a great season is much better. Josh Adams is interesting. I'd love to see him get a few more sure. carries. But at the same time, you're talking about Carson Wentz here, who's playing at a <laughs> level we've never seen before. It's just like I, like when you phrase it that way, it's just insane to me. Like, hey, we need to get the ball into Josh Adams' hands more and take it out of Carson <laughs> right. Wentz's hands. Like, that, like what the, what is that? Like, I don't even understand. Like, most Eagles fans, I think, would agree that Carson Wentz is pretty awesome and they love watching him play, but yet they're calling for the ball to be in his hands less and giving it to Wendell Smallwood and guys who aren't even that great more. Like, that's that's the thing that makes me so frustrated. It's like, oh, they're not running the ball enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, John, you pointed out the stats there. The, the I think the the key thing to highlight, and I want to stress, is that this completion percentage is up. But it's not like he's just dinking and dunking here, right? Because that's 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 what Sam Bradford would do. Like he, he had right. a really good completion percentage, but he's dinking and dunking. You you mentioned it. His his yards per attempt increased, so that's really impressive. Uh, and I think you know just 
from not just the stats, but you know, the scouting standpoint too, you can just see he's throwing more accurate passes for the most part this year. You're not seeing as many of those like WTF throws where like a guy is open and he's just kind of overthrowing him along the sideline. He still does that. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not to the same extent to me. So that's, that's great to see. Uh, it's absolutely a big reason why this team has hope in the second half here is Carson Wentz. And, you know, again, I'm excited to see him. I hope to your question, John, the Eagles actually do run the ball more than 15 times, but only because they have a big lead late <laughs> in the game and they're just trying to pound the clock out. I would, yeah. I would love to see that. And <laughs> excuse me, that thought is in my mind there that what if this is just another 44 to six kind of game? Like what if the, the Cowboys just come in yeah. here, they're on a short week, they're just, they're they're, ever, they're already kind of feeling like their season is over and they just no show this game and the Eagles just come out of the bye and totally just like just destroy them like just slaughter yeah. the Sunday night slaughter is what they will be calling it oh, if the Eagles I love just it. come out here and, <laughs> and stomp them into the ground so and I don't think it's impossible and I think Carson Wentz is a big reason why that could happen I just think he could come out and he could be on absolute fire and obviously I hope that's the case Obviously, one of the areas that the team needs to do better in is not getting Carson Wentz sacked. And I know Carson holds on to the ball for a little bit longer than most people would like. But a lot of times when he does that, he turns things into big plays. But they're giving up too many sacks, I think the Eagles are right now. Six in their last two games, 26 on the season, tied for seventh most in the NFL. So that's certainly something to watch out for in this game. But I did want to mention, I saw uh, Brandon Brooks currently owns the longest NFL streak without giving up a sack right now. I think Brandon Brooks is the most underrated Eagle over the last three years, BLG. When we're talking about the offensive line, we mentioned Jason Kelsey. We mentioned Jason Peters. We we mentioned Lane Johnson. We never, and we talk about Halapulavati Vitae more than we talk about Brandon Brooks for obvious reasons, because Vitae has had to play more filling in for Peters, and he's had his ups and downs. Brandon Brooks is just so consistently quiet, and I know we don't really talk about offensive guards all that much because he is playing in between Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, two of the best at their positions in football. That's a great place to be in. But nobody notices guards until they get beat all the time. And Brandon Brooks just is so consistent and just keeps getting the job done. I think he's the most underrated Eagle over the last three years combined. What do you think? I think that's very fair. It's it's obviously been an awesome free agent signing. I mean, to get that guy to have him be as solid as he is. It's been great. And I just like Brandon Brooks, the person too. I think he's really uh, an impressive guy off the field, obviously uh, being a big advocate for mental health awareness and, um, you know, sharing his experiences in that regard. And just kind of honestly, just a fun guy to talk to in the locker room. Like earlier this year, uh, I had uh, asked him about uh, the fact that the Eagles were one of these only five teams or so to have all five starting offensive linemen return. And I was like, Brandon, how much does offensive line continuity like really matter? Cause I feel like that's just something people yeah. talk about a lot. It's like a big talking point, but like how much does it actually matter? And he actually sat there, he gave me a thoughtful answer. And then he also talked about how, <laughs> in a different part of the interview later on, he was talking about, uh, you know, the, how the Patriots, you know, and, and like the, the Texans uh, were similar to that culture and how it was miserable there. And so just point being of me bringing this up, he's just very honest, uh, a very, a very cool guy, I think. And, and a guy that certainly goes underappreciated, but honestly, I think that's the way he would probably rather have it in the way like, Hey, yeah. if I'm not getting noticed, I'm doing my job. And that's been the case. So that's been awesome. 
Let's turn our attention to the Cowboys, and uh, we talked about Dak Prescott a lot, but I'm, I, I want to just continue for a second because I have some Dak stats for you here, BLG. Lots of good Dak stats for everybody. Dak Prescott has not thrown for more than 275 yards in any game this season. 33 other quarterbacks have. On Monday night, Prescott had his 10th game with multiple turnovers over the last two seasons, tied with Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, and Deshaun Kaiser for the most in the NFL. Over his last 16 games, he has a 7-9 and record, 21 turnovers, and 20 touchdowns. Dak Prescott has the lowest third down success percentage in football this year at 22%. I ask you to tell me the difference right now between Dak Prescott and Tim Tebow. There isn't one. <laughs> right? I mean, it just, I think, you know, we Dak Prescott had a, a solid rookie season, right? I mean. A good rookie season. A good rookie season. Solid. Good rookie season. He was, he was fine, but. He's fallen apart, BLG, and we're, we've looked at this Eagles defense, and one of the reasons they've struggled to score is because they've had long fields all year. I mean, that you, we've seen this offense move the ball for the better part of the season, but they, they've had to go a long way, and they've missed some field goals and had some turnover issues, and they've just had some, some drives where they get one or two first downs and then stall out. We've seen that a lot this year from this team because every drive is starting from the 25 or back. The team has not been the defense has not been able to get turnovers. Well, we mentioned it going into the Jaguars game with Blake Bortles, and it didn't really play itself out. Here is a game against a quarterback who, as you wrote about for Bleeding Green Nation, holds on to the ball longer than virtually any other quarterback in football and has a propensity to turn it over. If this team, if this defense can't pile up a few sacks and get some turnovers in this game against the Cowboys, I don't think it's ever gonna happen this year, BLG. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very well said. Again, just the way they match up against Dak, it's just to me, and we saw it last year, right? Like when we saw the Eagles play the Cowboys in the meaningful game on Sunday Night Football in Dallas, like Dak couldn't do anything against him. He had a, he had a bad game, and yeah. uh, I I fully expect that to happen here. Like I fully expect the Eagles to be able to get to him to create pressure. And as Benjamin Solak has highlighted on Twitter, like Dak is just playing scared right now, honestly. And the Eagles defensive line, when they are in full gear, they are a scary unit because they are going to create pressure. They're going to make his life tough. It's going to be a tough environment, obviously, there with the link and the crowd noise. So it's not going to be an easy place for him. And when we go back to Dak Prescott and we you know, look at that 2016 season, I think it was so easy coming out of it because I, I wholeheartedly believe this, that it was so predictable he was going to take a step back. Like the, the fact that he won rookie of the year that year is such a joke to me. Like mm-hmm. he is he does not have that success without Ezekiel Elliott. Like Ezekiel Elliott should have been rookie of the year. It's so clearly Yeah, like, really. They, they were running more than they were passing the ball. Like there yeah. was a reason for that because the that's what that's what they're good at. And and Dak that year had the third fewest pass attempts of any quarterback in the league. So uh like again, and that that's what it comes down to. The Cowboys are better when Dak has to do his job less, which tells you a lot about that player to me. And to me, you said it there, John, like with the way that he's been able to, to get sacked and the way that he's been just not, he's not going to come out and beat you, right? Like you're not going to just come out and get, mm-hmm. it's not like this game is going to end and be like, Oh, well, you know, you just ran into a buzzsaw and Dak Prescott. Like that's just not right. how yeah. he plays. That's it's not, it's not what happens. It's going to be that, you know, if the Eagles somehow lost this game, it would be that like Ezekiel Elliott just dominated and Dak was efficient enough where he could move the ball and make some plays 
And obviously, he's very dangerous as a runner, I think. And that's something yeah. the Eagles have to really watch out for, especially in the red zone. That mm-hmm. is something that when, you know, for as much crap as I talk on deck, I think that is very, he's very good and he is very dangerous. When he's in the red zone and he's able to run and take off and you have to count for him there, that's really tough. So that's something definitely the Eagles have to watch out for. They've had a good red zone defense this year. But that's something they're certainly going to have to account for. And otherwise, uh, out of the red zone, uh, well, first of all, keep him out of there and, and do that so by making some of these big plays. Again, we've talked about some of the biggest issues with the Eagles this year, and turnover differential is one of them. They're not taking yeah. away the ball enough, especially relative to how many big plays they're giving up. Like You would think that's kind of a trade-off there. Like, hey, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to give up some big plays, but we're also going to make some big plays. And they haven't made enough, so maybe that changes on Sunday night. We see some interceptions here. We know Rizul is a, is a ball hawk. Maybe he makes some plays. Uh, maybe we get, again, I talked about Brandon Graham going up against Al Collins earlier. Maybe he comes up with a big strip sack. We've seen him do that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully mm-hmm. we see that on Sunday night. Absolutely. And, you know, I, Ezekiel Elliott is still a scary player, but uh, with this Eagles run defense, it doesn't scare you quite as much. Um, we'll see uh, Amari Cooper on the field. We'll see Golden Tate on the field. These two yeah. new acquisitions, uh, we'll see which of these guys. Cole Beasley is also a guy who always gives me a little bit of worry. He seems to... He seems to have some productive games against the Eagles as well. But I think, as you heard from uh, the Kiston Solak show, if you listen to their uh, their uh, preview of the Dallas offense and what they do, it is a really vanilla scheme. They, they don't do anything creative, and they don't utilize the talents that Dak does have, use his mobility as, as much as they should. Um, so it's definitely, for the Eagles' defense, it's a, that's certainly a blessing to them because – there's not as much to game plan for when it comes to the Dallas offense. It's just a poorly coached team with Jason Garrett, who doesn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Did you see that guy on Twitter who dressed up as Jason Garrett for Halloween? I didn't. Oh, my gosh. BLG, you have to find this. It's on my timeline, at John Stolness, if you haven't seen it. This guy does an unbelievable Jason Garrett impersonation. He's just He's got the headset on. He's He's pretending to spit he's got his uh big laminated <laughs> play chart clapping and you know giving his confused looks like he doesn't know what's just happened on the field it's now when i look at jason garrett on the sideline i see that guy and it's just like it's he does such a perfect job of showing someone who's just there he's not providing anything he's not doing anything he's, he's not at what's that he's, he is clapping yeah, he's clapping. I mean, that's good moral that. support. There's <laughs> something to be said for being there. But that's all, really, I think we see from Jason Garrett in this uh, with this team. And uh, yet, uh, like you said, Jerry Jones wants to, you know, keep on keeping on with. Uh, although, I don't know. Do you, I think he's done after this year, don't you? I mean, if this if this if this season goes downhill, doesn't this have to be the end? Could he be done after this game? Like, if the Eagles come out and just drop, you know, again, like a, like a fifty burger on the Cowboys, like. Does he does he survive that? I don't know. You know, I don't know. He's had his back so many times. It would be a huge matzo ball to eat uh, in order in order for that to happen. But maybe I don't know if the fan base revolts enough. Maybe that could be something that would sway Jerry Jones. But I don't see it. I see maybe like with a week left in the season or after the season's over. But I'd have a hard time seeing an in season firing of Jason Garrett, who I believe has pictures of Jerry Jones or something. <laughs> it's the only explanation. All right, let's um we uh asked the uh the the tweeters for some uh, mailbag questions BLG and I know you've got a couple there. Uh before we get to our NFC East picks and we give you our Eagles Cowboys pick for this week, 
Uh, why don't you throw a couple of mailbag questions out there? Just a couple of quick ones here, uh, starting off with at Jack Fritz, WIP. He's asking. I've heard of him. I've heard of him. He's asking, <laughs> wow, where have I seen a mailbag before? Uh, I think Jack is referring to the fact that he believes that he created the, the mailbag, uh, a very controversial take. Uh, can't confirm if it's true or not, but I think the answer to the question, Jack, is you created that on the Counterpoint podcast. Uh, I think that's where I've seen it before, mm-hmm. which used to be here on BGN Radio, and I miss it, Jack, and I miss you, bud. So a uh, very important question for you. Do you agree with that, John? <laughs> is that true? Do you think that uh, Jack invented the mailbag? I think, um, I, you know, it's, I think, um, I, I feel like I've, I've seen a mailbag show before someplace <laughs> else. I just, but I don't, I don't want to get, I, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint it. It's like, you know, trying to find out when the oldest cave drawing was made, you know, <laughs> right. there's different scientists are going to have different years. It's, it's really, you just look for a general time frame. So I, I, I don't know that we know for sure. Very fair. Um, moving on to <laughs> at Joji4133. I like the uh, I like that there. 4133, right in the handle. Oh, uh, look at that. I didn't catch that. Nice. Very, very good job by Joe. Um, yeah. Who do you think gets the most carries out of the running backs on Sunday? I think that's a good question. I'll let you take that one first there, John. Yeah, I like I think I think Josh Adams gets a chance this week to, to show okay. more of what he can do. I, I know that Wendell Smallwood has gotten the majority of the carries and Corey Clement has just been a forgotten man in that backfield. When he's carried the ball, he hasn't done anything. And like we've talked about BLG, there's got to be some kind of lingering injury issue there. Cause we saw a guy last year who ran, who ran hard, who broke tackles, who was great up the middle and also turned himself into a weapon out of the backfield. We haven't seen any of that from him this year. And I think we've seen some promising stuff from Josh Adams. Again, I don't think this team runs the ball very much on Sunday night, unless they get a big lead, a big lead late. But I, I like Josh Adams to probably lead the team if they do end up running the ball a little bit with anywhere between 10 to 15 carries. I don't think it's crazy to think he can do that. I mean, um, I think if you go touches, you know, we're talking about touches here, which is not what was asked. But if we're talking about that, then I think it's Wendell Smallwood yeah, because he's Wendell. obviously going to get some, you know, catches in or at least some looks, some targets in the passing game. But if you're talking about just straight up carries, I mean, uh, Josh Adams had more than him in the Jaguars game. He had nine carries to only yeah. Wendell Smallwood's eight. So I don't think that's crazy. And apparently uh, assistant coaches who talked this week have been talking up Josh Adams a little bit. So not insane to me. And I think it's hard to say it's Corey, given the way he's yeah. he's failed to produce this year. So uh, I think it's a reasonable answer. But I, I do think it'll be close. Like Again, I think it will be a very close split. So Josh Adams might lead, but it might be like, again, like one more carry than Wendell Smallwood. So... Uh, but like you said, hopefully we didn't see them run the ball too much until garbage time. Uh, so that leaves us with one question left here from at Jay Curran 827. He asked, do the Eagles get the Texans running back who is, he didn't mention him, but I, I'm, I'll, I'll fill it in here, is Tyler Irvin. Uh, they dropped when they picked up DeAndre Carter. And now that's an interesting possibility there. So uh, the Texans obviously did need to wave this guy in order to make room. To, to claim DeAndre Carter on waivers. And uh, Tyler Irvin does have return ability. He has 21 punt returns this year for an 8.3 average, which ranks 11th out of 17 players this season, as long as 27. And then he has 10 returns as a kick returner. He's averaging 23 or 25.3 average, which is 6th out of 16 kick returners. He's a long of 36. So he has some decent return ability. Nothing special there, but some 
Uh, he also has the ability to play in the slot a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if Darren Sproles is out for the year, which hopefully he is not in my mind, then I guess you could add him. I mean, he passed through waivers on claims, so he's a free agent. You can take a look. They they have to add some kind of running back if Darren Sproles is definitely out for the year. Yeah. Uh, and he hasn't been placed on IR yet, and he did post that Instagram message. So maybe there's some hope for him. Uh, but if he is out for the year, then sure, why not? Yeah, Urban's a fast guy, four four one in the forty at the uh, scouting combine back in two thousand sixteen. So, and the Eagles really have not had a guy BLG. They have they even come close to breaking a punt return or a kickoff return, like really close to breaking one for a touchdown. I'm not remembering if they did. The only one is DeAndre Carter, who had right, the forty two exactly. order so, against the Titans, and right. gave him a chance to tie. Well, gave That's him right, and the tie the, the game. That's so. right, absolutely right. And then the All Eagles right. cut him. Well, again, a mystifying Rough. move by the Eagles, and hopefully Darren Sproles will make it moot here in a week or two, but I am not holding my breath, and nor should anyone else. Let's move on to our NFC East picks real quick here, BLG, and uh, two NFC East games, obviously, with the Eagles and Cowboys playing each other, so we'll throw in a bonus game here at the end. First up, Washington at Tampa Bay. As you mentioned, Washington has some serious injury issues along the offensive line. Uh, they had a terrible game against the Falcons, who are coming on. The Falcons playing some better football right now, and they are going into Tampa to play a Buccaneers team that has a pretty terrible defense, BLG, but has they have weapons on offense still, and... Um, you know, this is a Washington team that has that high floor, very low ceiling. Generally, you just don't know what you're going to get from this team week in and week out, like most of the teams in the NFC East. How do you see this one shaking out? I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I feel like they are a bad team, and I feel like I might regret this. I think Washington is better than I'm, than them in a vacuum, but I don't know. You know, Washington's banged up here. They have these injuries. Uh, they're going on the road. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has the chance to get hot like he did earlier in this season, and I think maybe one of the biggest factors why I'm taking the Bucks in this game is the Deshaun Jackson revenge game factor. We know he likes to play well against the <laughs> Good Eagles. Call. So maybe he will have a big game against the Bucks. He'll be really up for that against them. So at least that's what I'm hoping. And that would be great because that would drop that would drop Washington to five and four uh, right before, you know, that that Eagles Cowboys game on Sunday night. And so it'd be it'd be awesome. It'd be like, okay, Washington lost their five and four, Eagles win, and now they're five and four too. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, they're they're in a great shape. So I'm gonna hope to will it in existence and I will take the Bucks. It would be a big win, too, because it would be a loss against a common opponent, which would, would certainly help in any tiebreaker scenario if it got down that far. That's certainly down the list of tiebreaker scenarios. But uh, I'm going to take Tampa here as well, BLG, because one of the things that we really said we liked about Washington coming into the season was that their strength r- was in the lines, was in the offensive line and in the defensive line. They don't have a ton of skill position talent. Adrian Peterson's been a little bit better than we thought, but in the passing game, it's still Jordan Reed and, and not a whole lot else. And they've got some, they've got some injuries along the wide receiver area as well. And so this is, this is a team that needs their lines to be healthy. And we saw when those offensive linemen went out against Atlanta on Sunday, the team cratered and it turned into a blowout. So I'm going to take Tampa in this one as well, because I think this is a team Washington that can't afford to have any kind of a hit along their lines. That's where their real strength lies. And we saw their defense, which had been really good all year, really struggle against the Falcons. So uh, maybe we saw a little bit of an exposure of, of Washington last week. Next game, the New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers in this might go down as uh, one of the worst games of the season here, BLG. Two pretty terrible teams. Uh, San Francisco is favored by three in this one. How do you feel about this? John, I'll let you go first on this one. All right, all right. 
yeah, because I mean, this is gosh, which one of which part of this poo poo platter do you take? I'm going to take San Francisco at home. Um, I, I think that Eli Manning on the road, going traveling out west on a in a West Coast game. I think San Francisco generally has more talent. This is a team I thought could have been a wild card team before the season, and they lost Jimmy Garoppolo, but the rest of the team, there's some talent there. I think the 49ers at home should be able to cover a three-point spread. Three-point spread. I'll take the 49ers here. I'm going to ring the bell. I'm going to ring the ring bell. Ring that bell. And I'm going to take the New York Giants with getting three points here because here's why. Uh, the Giants are obviously terrible. They're going to be on the road, so this could easily be a bad bet. But, like, how do I know that Nick Mullins is, like, anything legit? Like, he, you know, he had that good game against the Raiders, but the Raiders are terrible. So... Maybe, you know, it's just Yeah, but the Giants that. are terrible, too. The Giants are terrible, too. I agree. <laughs> but I think they're better than the Raiders still. And yeah. I think, you know, I don't know who Nick Mullins is. Like, I, I had to look his name up now just because I forgot it. Like, I couldn't even remember what his name was. Right, so right. I, I'm not going to just totally assume that he is good. And look, the, the Eagles need the Giants to win some games here because any kind of wins they get at this point kind of just ruins their draft position. So I would love for it to happen, of course, for the Giants to get a win here and kind of just screw that up. So and they're coming off the bye, uh, so I don't know. Maybe I feel like you know I feel like that's the kind of coach that Pat Shermer is. Like he's he's not a good coach, but it kind of just reminds me back in two thousand, I guess, and the two thousand fifteen. It was when you just kind of wanted the Eagles to lose that final Giants game to get a better draft pick because it was clear they needed a quarterback. And yeah. Pat Shermer like really coached him up and had him win that game. So I feel like he's <laughs> going to be good enough to win this team some meaningless games here, and I'm hoping. And I'll take a chance on the Giants. I feel like I don't think the Giants are going to go winless the rest of the season. I think they are due for at least one more win or two on the schedule, and I think this might be it. That's and a prime spot one more thing. for it. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Giants are the, the the 49ers lost to the Cardinals twice this year, so they're they're still pretty that's bad true. too. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, absolutely. This is a game nobody's going to want to watch, and so luckily, I think this will only be shown in the two markets. And frankly, those markets aren't going to want to watch it either. Last game I put on here was not a compelling game as far as two playoff teams going at it because we didn't really have a lot of those on the schedule this week, but I put this one in here because the line is so big. Arizona (laughs) at Kansas City. Chiefs are favored by 16 points. Now, BLG, I have a hard time picking any team when they're favored by 16 points. That being said, the Chiefs are coming off their... uh, No, they didn't lose last week, but the Chiefs are... um, The the Chiefs are in, in great shape. They're continuing to roll. Arizona stinks on ice, and I'm going to take Kansas City here with 16 points because I think this is a blowout game. I mean, I don't I don't see how Arizona at Arrowhead keeps this thing close. What do you think? I am looking at the line here, and Bovada right now has up to 17 points for the Whoa, Chiefs, even higher. A three, a three possession game. Wow. Um, and... Heck, I'll take that. I mean, the Chiefs are scoring <laughs> at will. The only thing that makes me pause is, again, I'm always just aware of that classic Andy Reid letdown game. And maybe this is it. And maybe it's not that they lose, but maybe, you know, it's just like the, the, the Cardinals make it a little too close for comfort. But I just can't see it. I think, you know, uh, Andy Reid is obviously having a great year. The Chiefs are having a great year. And I just think there are leaps and bounds beyond what this Cardinals team offers. So I know it's a big line, but... I mean, the Chiefs are really good, so why not? Hey, let me ask you a question about this Chiefs team real quick. Yeah. Is is this the most talented team Andy Reid has ever had? I think so. I think I, it is, right? I think, I mean, you could say 
Uh, I mean, Mahomes is playing better than any any season McNabb yeah, ever had. I mean, maybe not. <laughs> 04, 04 McNabb was amazing with, right. with Owens. That was a pretty amazing season. But uh, yeah, th- this is the most talent he's ever had, isn't it? It is, and it's it's funny because like you want to be like, oh, this is finally the year, and he's going to do it. The Chiefs are going to win. Yeah, but like, uh, uh. there's that little part of you that can't be all in because you've just seen it way too many times before. And if that's how the season ends, that's that's what's going to be once again. It'll be like, oh, yeah, another year where. And he gets to the playoffs and they don't win. I don't know. I feel like it actually may be different this time. And I, uh, we've said that too. way too many times, but I just I feel like it might be. I do, too. And I think it's kind of funny. I, it would be great if the next step in football analytics is regular season coach and then playoff coach. You have a you have a coach to get you through the regular season, and then you bring in somebody else like a relief pitcher. <laughs> to coach. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, a playoff specialist. Maybe maybe we could bring Parcells out of retirement. He can just be a playoff specialist awesome. or something like that. All right, let's give you our picks here for Eagles versus Cowboys BLG Sunday Night Football. Um, Eagles are favored by six and a half, but uh, this is a game. I agree. I, I think this is a game that the Eagles will win comfortably and. I know I haven't had much of a feel on this team for much of the first half of the season, but you look at this Cowboys team and how awfully they played on Monday night against Tennessee. Dallas has a short week. They're coming into Lincoln Financial Field. The Eagles are coming off a bye, playing at home. They have clearly the better quarterback. They have much more of a potential to go on a run here. And really, you, you just look at all of the negativity surrounding Dallas right now. It's a it's kind of a, a poisonous atmosphere around that team and around that fan base. I think I think this is route city here, BLG. I like the I like the Eagles to beat the Cowboys here, something along the lines of thirty four to ten. I'm with you on that one. I just think this is the spot where the Eagles prove they're back. This is you know this is the the big game where they can just show the rest of the league oh man like the Eagles are back they you know they they had this bye week they've overcome these first half of the season struggles and I think they perfectly end the Cowboys season here uh, I feel pretty good about it I feel I feel very confident I'm going to say the Eagles win this game forty four to six forty four to six see that's that's why you're next level, BLG. I mean, I, I just come out with a regular old score, and you know how to just kind of give it that last little bit. That's why that's why you're the man. That's why you're the brains behind the operation here. Anyway, any final thoughts from you uh, before we wrap up? Win, man. Win. Win this game. Make the rest of the season interesting for all of us as well as you. And I said it with uh, Kissed, I think, on Monday here, but just – Obviously, I want everyone wants the Eagles to repeat as Super Bowl champions. That's that goes without saying. But at the very yeah. least, I feel like this season is at least some kind of level of success, or at least if you want to flip it around, it's not a total disaster if they at least win the division. Because if right. they do that, they're the first team to do that since they did it back in 2004. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's been 14 years. If they can become the first team to repeat as NFC East champions. I think that's a big deal. And they have that opportunity right in front of them, even with how disappointing as this season has started. And even if they might not be legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year because of their issues and because of how these other teams are just good, so great, and maybe ahead of them in the league right now, just at least win the division. They have the yeah. chance to do that. They have the chance to keep their, their rivals out of the playoffs. I could live with that. So I could too. get it done. And also reviews, ratings, iTunes do that, please. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, listen, we got a big game. This is, 
this is it. If they if the Eagles lose, man, I don't know what the rest of this second half is going to look like. So they need to win this game. It's a must-win game for both teams. A huge matchup. Sunday night at Lincoln Financial Field. Primetime Eagles versus Cowboys. The rivalry continues. For BLG, I'm John Stolnes. Make sure to check out BleedingGreenNation.com for, the, for every little piece of news on this game coming up here over the next couple of days. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.